Hi, I'm Sue. And I'm Rach. And this is the Georgia Hair Podcast. And in this episode, we're talking about Lady of Quality. Hey, Rach, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Pretty good. What have you been up to? Um, I can't say I've got um, a huge amount to update you on. I have um, purchased an air fryer, which I am very oh. excited about. Um, yeah. It's the thing to have especially in in times like these where we've got high energy costs um it's it's a very efficient way of cooking your food and i'm enjoying it immensely i I feel like we had a weird money saving tips section though (laughs) i know i don't know why i just feel like i'm really excited about my air fryer and i want to share it with people okay that's lovely i've got one i do enjoy it it's good i used it last night Mm -hmm. um have you been Good, yes. So I am freshly returned from Iceland, a week in Iceland. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, so that was nice. Um, you know, waterfalls, lagoons, black sand beaches. It was all mm. rather lovely. We did have a tricky middle couple of days where we had a flat tyre and a snowstorm mm. that meant we couldn't reach our hotel and had to find alternative accommodation, which kind of felt like the beginning of a Georgia Heyer novel. Yeah, a bit of adventure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, I had very much the setup for the a Georgia Heyer adventure. But unfortunately, a husband. <laughs> I, that's not quite how to phrase it. But <laughs> if, if he wasn't around, then maybe he would have ended up into a Icelandic adventure with a tall Icelandic man. So there was a tall Icelandic man who fixed our tyre. Well. But yes, no, I'm already married. That was not, <laughs> yeah. that was not a thing. We're all good. The marriage is intact. Um, we made it back and sort of continued a holiday which is very very nice um now speaking of a broken coach wheel slash flat tire um that's kind of how we begin with a lady of quality i really you know what lady of quality i really want it to be a lady of quality or the lady of quality lady of quality yeah it's not quite right is it it just floats well who are we to question the great georgia that's true okay we bow down um i'm gonna start with a summary rach lovely The beautiful and independent Annis Witchwood is returning to her home in Bath when she chances upon two young people at the side of the road in need of rescue. One a young girl escaping her family and her friend, reluctantly there to ensure she comes to no harm. Annis befriends the young girl, welcoming her into her home, and before long meets the girl's reluctant guardian, the insufferably rude Oliver Carlton. He's like no one she's ever met before, and the sparks between them fly immediately. So, Rach... At the end of last mm. the last episode, we talked in a very wishy-washy fashion about our feelings about Lady of Quality, kind of saying, yeah, I don't really remember it, but I think it wasn't one of my favourites, mm. and I feel like I need to eat my words. Do you? Okay, go on then. Eat your words. <laughs> um, that was unnecessarily <laughs> aggressive. I physically recoiled. Um, uh, so I, I think what I mean by that, and I still there's still bits there's still bits of it that frustrate me, but every bit of conversation between Annis and Oliver I think is absolutely perfect. It's so zingy. It's I, I would happily spend this so, episode just reading out yes. every conversation I have. So yeah, what I would say is, um, it I wouldn't. It's not one of my favourites. It doesn't. I like a book with a bit of adventure and it's not big mm-hmm. on plot is it but oh no um definitely it's got all of the 
it's got all of the things you'd expect from Majority Hair, but in terms of witty dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. I love some of the characters, the, how the characters are drawn on it, like Maria Farlow. Mm. And th- th- there are there are some great yeah. um, parts to it like that. So in terms of like some of the how the characters are drawn and the, and the, the dialogue between a, a lot of um, a lot of the characters in there, but especially Anis and Oliver, is yeah, mm. is fantastic. Yeah, I I think the the bit that stops it from being a flat out favorite for me in some ways is, is yeah that that lack of plot that you're talking about but but also there's quite a high number of um prosy bores and gabble grinders in this book so you've got like sir jeffrey miss farlow and lord beckenham that all have that very yeah. boring way of talking and it, it, yeah it's quite a lot for you to have to skim read through isn't it as a reader yeah i think so yeah and probably yeah i'd agree on that so should we um should we talk about our main characters? Mm. Anis. So I think she's quite an interesting character. So she she's one of the mm. oldest heroines, I think, at 29. Mm. Um and she's um I just I like the fact that she's so she's independent. She doesn't um, she doesn't actually need a husband. She's, um, she's yeah. you know, set up her own establishment. Um, she is, um, she, she's able to do that because she's wealthy and she's got, you know, good status in society. And she's, mm. um, so she's likable in that way because she's, she's basically just gone it on her own and she doesn't really need to be married. So it's quite yeah. nice to have a heroine like that who, um, yeah, who doesn't, you know, not, not, not looking for a husband and not, um, and, and just able to sort of go it alone. Yes. Um, we've got a little description of her. Mm-hmm. No one knew the size of her fortune, but it was obviously large. Her family had owned Twining Park for generations and her beauty was remarkable. If there were those who considered her too tall and others who could only see beauty in brunettes, these critics were few in number. Her admirers, and she had a host of them, declared her to be a piece of perfection from the top of her guinea gold curls to the soles of her slender feet. They could detect no flaw in her. Her eyes were particularly fine, being of deep blue, and so full of light that one infatuated gentleman of a poetic turn of mind said that their brilliance put the stars to shame. They were smiling eyes set under delicate arched brows and her generous mouth seemed to be made for laughter. For the rest, she had an elegant figure, moved gracefully, dressed herself with exquisite taste and had charming manners, which endeared her to such elderly stickers as old Mrs Mandeville, who pronounced her to be a very nice girl. None of your simpering misses. I can't think why she ain't married. <laughs> so lovely. I love I love those little descriptions that just one passage descriptions that basically sum up <laughs> um, how yes. a character looks and, and, and how uh, and a bit about their personality. So you've got quite a lot in there about smiling eyes you know a mouth mm. made for laughter she um i think both physically and in some respects her personality reminds me of venetia um and she just i think the guinea gold curls and things um but i think yeah. with Annis, she just doesn't have that isolation she's in a position where she has yeah. been able to to strike yeah. out on her own i think what yeah. i like about Annis is that she's not particularly interested in babies yeah um it's quite refreshing isn't it yeah. yeah, and then also, uh, she's a prodigious reader. 
And she's like, oh, cool. Mm. Annis Witchwood is one of us. Like, they, I think yeah. um, Lucilla and Ninian are, yeah. are kind of saying, oh, you know what? She actually keeps books in her bedroom. Who would have thought? <laughs> and I was reading that like, next to a stack. And no one, no one would think that she was bookish. We, we, oh, I, no. I, I love no. that little passage where it's like, <laughs> please don't, don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it, interesting. But yeah, we get the idea in the quite early on though that despite all of this despite her independence despite that she was able to make it on her own she is a Mm. bit bored and a bit uncertain of her future when she's leaving at the beginning her brother's home and on the way there she's before she meets the the runaways um there's definitely a sense that she is bored and not necessarily she didn't want to be where she her brothers but she wasn't excited about going back home yeah her life her future didn't look particularly exciting for her yeah and I think I'm I'm speculating here (laughs) um but I think it said something about you know she she is basically as independent as a woman in this time could be probably but Mm. she's there's still quite a lot of restrictions on her so she can't just go and travel she can't she can't she hasn't really got that kind of freedom she still has to have Miss Marlowe to come and live with her she yeah. um she still can't really she, she doesn't have anywhere close to the types of freedoms that a man in her position would mm. have um she's still got those restrictions on her yes and she and she does chafe under them doesn't she there's mm. there's a passage that I like where um it's later on in the book and her brother has arrived saying oh I, I hope you don't mind but um my wife and child and child are going to stay with you for a few days because they need to go to the dentist and Annis is very much aware that really he wants them there to kind of spy on her a little bit and she really resents mm. the interference and and rips up at him about it I think very reasonably um but you in that in that argument you get a sense of her frustrations and her her passion so I thought I'd read that bit out so this is her brother saying of course if it is inconvenient for you to receive my family is this extremely inconvenient she interrupted you know very well that I have Lucilla Carlton staying with me, Geoffrey. I'm astonished that you should expect me to entertain Amabel and your children at such a moment. I must say, I should have thought your own family had a greater claim on you than Miss Carlton, he said in an offended voice. You haven't any claim on me at all, she flashed, nor has Lucilla, nor anyone. That's why I left Twinham and came to Bath to be my own mistress, not to be accountable to you or to anyone for what I choose to do, and not to grow into a spinster aunt, particularly not that. Like... Like Miss Vernon, who is only valued for the help she gives her sister, can be depended on to look after the children whenever Mr and Mrs Vernon wish to go junketing to London, but at other times is very much in the way. She can't escape because she hasn't a penny to fly with, but I have a great many pennies and I did escape. You are talking wildly, he said. I should like to know what demands have ever been made of you when you lived with us. Oh, none. But if one lives in another person's house, one is bound to share in the tasks which arise. And who can tell how long it would have been before you and Amabel fell into the way of saying, oh, Annis will look after it. She has nothing else to do. I really believe your senses are disordered, he exclaimed. All this scolding merely because I ventured to ask you to shelter my wife and children for a few days. Upon my word, Annis, you didn't ask me, Geoffrey. You made it impossible for me to refuse by arranging for Amabel to set out for Bath tomorrow morning, knowing that I should be forced to let them stay here. I, I love that. Like She really stands up to him. Mm. She makes a very yeah. good argument, and you you can tell, you know, it's it's very clear what her motivations were in deciding to take this slightly unusual path of setting up her own establishment. Yeah. 
Yeah, and in a sense, she's actually one of the most um, independent. She's probably the most independent of of our heroines, isn't she? So, mm-hmm. um, even Venetia or or Federico or or people that you know are other older heroines, um, mm-hmm. they have they are tight. Ty- they are they've got family ties. Yeah, they yeah. they um, they are they are yeah they are in some way restricted by by their family, but she's really not. Um, mm. So yeah, it, it, she's a refreshing character, I think. Shall we talk about Oliver? Yeah. What do you think of Oliver? Do you do you think you'd like him in real life? Hmm. Good question. Good question. Um. I do like his frankness. I like. There, he's got lots of qualities that I admire. Like he 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 can mm. apologize really well, and I think he's got a sensitivity. Because he, yeah. he somehow manages to understand when Alice is upset, and he, he acknowledges it. He doesn't yeah. necessarily understand how he knows, but he knows. I think he's really tuned into her. He is rude. He's he's very yeah. So I I, I think it would be difficult to like him maybe on first meeting because mm. he seems to be rude to everybody and rude. You know, I don't actually like rudeness. I don't think there's any need for it. <laughs> so um, so there's that. But there is something about how straightforward he is. So. He he he's actually so we'll we'll come on to their love story, but but in terms of um, he's very frank about his feelings for her from the mm. f- from quite early on, and yeah. and when he has got a bit cross and um, cross with her and as um, is a bit rude to her because because he's cross because he's jealous or whatever, he mm. immediately he a couple of, you know a day later will come and apologize, yeah and. So there's something really straightforward about it. He owns his faults. He sees the faults in others. He'll call out the faults in others, but he'll call out the faults in himself as well. So yeah. that, yeah, there's something nice about that, how straightforward that is. Although yeah. I think it's never it's never actually okay to be that rude. But yeah, some, some of them deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so Jeffrey certainly. Um, but uh, yeah, so he doesn't come into the book until a fair, fair bit through, I suppose. But quite a lot is said about him, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so Lucilla describes him, first of all, and she says, um, his manners are most disobliging. In fact, he is detestably top lofty, never takes the least trouble to behave with civility to anyone and and treats one with a sort of stupid indifference with, which makes one long to hit him. So you read that and you kind of see that there's probably some truth in what she's saying, but also mixed in with that is her frustration at being sort of ignored as a, a child as someone sort of just yeah. isn't going to interest him. Yeah. And then you've got Sir Geoffrey describing him mm. as mm. saying, he's a damned unpleasant fellow, got no manners, never scruples to give the back to anyone he don't happen to like, thinks his birth and his wealth give him the right to ride roughshod over men quite as well born as himself, and, in short, the sort of ugly customer I should never dream of presenting to my sister. And from that, again, you think, well, there's probably yeah. a kernel of truth in there, but also clearly... He's been rude to Sir Geoffrey at some point, and that has coloured Sir Geoffrey's view of him. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, Annis says at some point, "Oh well, I, you both made me want to get uh, meet this man who yeah. who is so rude and so <laughs> disobliging." Um, well, she does get her chance to meet uh, Oliver Carlson, yeah. and that's where we get a description of him. Though I would argue, I can't. I struggle to still picture him after this description. Um. So on entering the drawing room, she paused for a moment on the threshold, surveying her visitor. He was standing before the fireplace, 
a powerfully built man with dark hair and a swarthy complexion. His brows were straight and rather thick, and under them a pair of hard grey eyes stared at Miss Witchwood, their expression one of mingled surprise and disapproval. And that's kind of all we hear about his physical appearance, other than the fact that he's not really Mm. considered attractive. And I don't know about you, but when I come across a hero or heroine in a Georgia Hayer book who isn't presented as incredibly attractive, I just ignore that and picture them being attractive. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah? Yeah. Because why would you not? It's your imagination. Let's make them attractive. Yeah, 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 definitely. And they all look quite similar, to be honest, in my head. Do they all look like your partner? (laughs) Yes, no. (laughs) Um, And then on that first meeting, Mm. um, she sort of gets a taste of his straightforward personality. Um, Yeah. so, So just leading on from that, passage um to her wrath he raised his quizzing glass as though to appraise her more precisely her brows lifted she moved forward saying with chilly hauteur mr carton i believe he nodded letting his glass fall and replied curtly yes are you miss witchwood she inclined her head in the manner calculated to abash him good god he said it was so unexpected that it surprised an involuntary laugh out of her she suppressed it quickly and made another attempt to put him out of countenance by extending her hand and saying in a quelling tone, How do you do? You wish to see your niece, of course. I'm sorry that she's not here at home this morning. No, I don't wish to see her, though I dare say I shall be obliged to, he replied, briefly shaking her hand. I came to see you, Miss Witchwood, if you are Miss Witchwood. <laughs> she looked amused at this. Certainly I am Miss Witchwood. You must forgive me if I ask you why you should doubt it. And if that doesn't make you apologise for your incivility, nothing will, she thought, waiting expectantly. Because you're by far too young, of course, she, he said, disappointing her. I came here in the expectation of meeting an elderly woman, or at least one of reasonable age. So yeah, not the night, not the best um, <laughs> um, first meeting, and sort of certainly calculated to get <laughs> um, to, to infuriate yeah. her. It's an awkward setup, isn't it, that she's almost kidnapped his ward um yes yeah and lots lots of information hasn't been shared and some confusion reigns um there's a bit that i that i like um where he says pray gratify me by telling me what the devil you were talking about i have every intention of telling you so you have no need to bite off my nose she snapped for goodness sake sit down i can't think why you're standing about in this absurd way (laughs) oh can't you did you expect me to sit down before you invited me to do so you do think me a ramshackle fellow don't you no, I don't. I don't know anything about you, she said crossly, except that I'm famed for my incivility. She was obliged to laugh and to say with engaging honesty, as she sat down, I'm afraid it is I who have been uncivil. Pray, will you not be seated, Mr Carlton? Thank you, he responded politely and chose a chair opposite to hers. I, I just like that. that She's like, why are you standing up like this? And he's like, because you haven't asked me to sit down. But I like, mm. I really like the idea that a man can't sit down in my presence without me inviting him to. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we lost some power when we lost that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we gained other th- other things and other powers. Like, yeah, like voting. The vote, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, okay. the, sitting, the sitting down thing, it'd be nice to have kept, wouldn't it? Um, mm. And then as the love story thing... Oh, sorry. Yeah. And, and then shortly after that, he's telling her that he likes her. Yes, um, on on the first meeting, remember that the, the sort of yeah. you get an immediate, um, not declaration, but that's what I, I guess that's what I'm getting. That he's he's just so he just sort of he says what he says 
he says what he sees, doesn't he, a little bit. It's just, well, um, I, I like this person, so I'm just going to tell them I like them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like this person, and I'll do the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, very much on board with it in some ways. Um, but he was complaining about um, Lucilla's um, and Ninian's fathers um, being such close friends that they ridiculously formed this plan for their children mm. to marry. And uh, so he's you know, saying that he thought they were ridiculous. And Miss Witchwood, she said perfectly gravely, however, for some reason or other, I had suspected as much. Is there anyone whom you do like, Mr. Carlton? Yes, you, he answered bluntly. Me? She gasped, wholly taken aback. He nodded. Yes, but much against my will, he said. This made her burst out laughing. Still gurgling, she said. You are quite outrageous, you know. What in the world have I said or done to make you like me? Of all the farragiddles I have ever heard, that bears off the palm. Oh no, I never flummery people. I do like you, but I'm damned if I know why. It isn't your beauty, though that is remarkable, and it certainly isn't anything you've said or done. I think it must be your quality, that certain sort of something about you. So yeah, Mm. very straightforward. Yeah. And and so, and then from that first meeting, um, I guess they um, they're thrown together um, throughout the book because obviously they need to discuss Lucilla's um, future and what's going to happen to her now that um, mm-hmm. she's been kidnapped. No, um, she's gone to live with um, um, Alice, uh, and I guess their relationship grows, and he makes it clear fairly early on that he likes her Mm. there's um he gets a a bit jealous of mr kilbride yes um he storms off in a bit of a sulk doesn't he yeah at the party and then um and yeah and there's little bits and 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 it's quite nice how however i think you said it before so however rude he is um he does manage to um, show her sympathy and empathy and sort of mm. ask her the right sort of questions about her and about her situation and and shows an understanding there about her situation so yes. they're talking about um he, she he's sort of asking her about why she moved to bath and and i think um she's quite reserved but he keeps on pushing her <laughs> to um to, you know for, oh, yeah. for a proper answer so yeah there's this bit um why did you come to bath he asked oh for several good reasons she responded lightly if you mean that for a set down miss witchwood i should inform you that i am not so easily set down what good reasons she looked at him rather helplessly but after a moment replied with a touch of asperity they concern no one but myself sir and if you were aware that i did give you what i hoped to be a civil set down for asking me an impertinent question you will permit me to tell you that I consider your, you positively rag-mannered to pursue the subject very lightly, but that's no answer. It's the only one I mean to give you, which leads me to suppose that some murky secret lies in your past, mm. he said provocatively. I find, I find that hard to believe. Um, with another and very different female, I might assume that some scandal has driven you from home, an unfortunate affair with one of the local squires, for instance. She curled her lip at, lip at him and said disdainfully, Curb your imagination, Mr. Carlton. No murky secret lies behind me, and I've had no affairs, fortunate or otherwise. I didn't think you had, he murmured. This is a most improper conversation, she said crossly. Yes, isn't it? He agreed. Why did you come to live in Bath? 
Oh, how persistent you are, she exclaimed. I came to Bath because I wished to live a life of my own, not to dwindle into a mere aunt. That I can well understand, but why the devil did you choose Bath of all places? I chose it because I have many friends here and because it is within easy distance of Twinham Park. Do you ever regret it? Don't you find it curse flat? She shrugged. Why, yes, sometimes I do, but so I should, I dare say, in any place where I resided all year round. Good God, is that what you do? Oh, no, that's an exaggeration. I frequently visit my brother and his wife. Sometimes I go to stay with my aunt, who lives in Lyme Regis. Gay to dissipation, in fact. So I'll stop there because it goes on. But it's quite, I think that the fact that she's discussing this with him which is actually quite a personal thing mm. about her moving out mm. of the family home and he's managed to draw that from her by being really persistent but I think he <laughs> yeah. manages to show um show you a bit of understanding about her situation and about and I get and I think we get there a little bit about how like we talked about before about how she's you know she's got this independent but she's essentially still stuck between you know living mm. some of the time in Twinham Park and some of the time in in Bath um and he yeah. has sympathy for that Yes. Um, but for all that straight talking right there, don't you think that when he proposes, it's quite a round the houses kind of oh, yeah. way of doing it? He makes a mull of because, it, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, well, it's an interesting approach. Um, they're talking about how annoying Miss Farlow is. And uh, mm. and he's just suggesting that he, she uh, that Miss Witchwood sends her packing. And uh, Annice says... It would be too brutal to dismiss her, but she means well. And what possible reason could I give for getting rid of her? That you're about to be married. And he hasn't proposed mm. at this point. No. That's just him. You're about to be married. Or really declared himself in any way. It pro- you know, proper properly. He hasn't told yeah. her he loves her, has he? Um He cut he got he goes on to, so um mm. she was growing accustomed to his abrupt utterances. But this one came as a shock to her. She stared at him with stu- with startled eyes and only managed to say faintly Pray, don't be absurd. I'm not being absurd. Marry me. I'll engage myself to keep you safe from all such pernicious bores as your cousin. You are being absurd, she declared in a much stronger voice. Marry you to escape from poor Maria. I never heard anything to equal it. You must be out of your mind. No, unless to be deep in love is to be out of one's mind. I am, you see. After all these years, to have found the woman I had come to think didn't exist. He saw that she was looking at him in considerable astonishment and exclaimed with a rueful crack of laughter. Oh, my God, what a mull I'm making of it. I deserve that you should refuse ever to speak to me again, don't I? Yes, she said candidly. I can't make elegant speeches. I wish I could. If I could find the words to tell you what's in my heart. He broke off and took a quick turn about the room. Do you always find it impossible to make elegant speeches, she asked. I can't bring myself to believe that, sir. You must have made many pretty speeches in your time, unless report has wronged you. And then they go on to talk about something that actually crops up a couple of times in their in their conversations his past as a bit of a ladies man and she seems to have a little bit of insecurity i think about whether that would remain in his past and he gives her some good reassurance on that front i think yeah um but also she doesn't give him an answer at that point does she because for her no. although she she no she's very much aware that she has all these feelings for him to marry him is not without giving something up. It doesn't come without mm. giving something up, does it? She has to give up some of her in- independence. I quite like that consideration. So her, con- it's quite a mature consideration of whether 
whether to get married or not and quite almost quite modern in a way so it it's um obviously there's a little bit about you know have it would it would go again it would go against her brother's wishes and you know a little maybe mm. a bit about what society would think but mainly it's about her giving up her way of life and her independence and her um and the, the life that she's created for herself and sort of that question of whether love is enough for that because she doesn't seem to doubt her own feelings yeah. particularly does she it's more yeah. yeah as you say what she's giving up I think he comes along with this history of being with lots of different women she argues with him all the time and she must be thinking yeah. oh, okay so you're gonna keep seeing other women are we, are we just gonna spend all of our years together arguing is that is that really a, what's gonna work and she has and she's lived by herself for a while it is you know, it's a big decision, isn't it? She's she's set up her own house. She's got independence. She doesn't have to get married. She's she's got her own life, and she might be a bit bored of it, but it is something that she has chosen. Um, and and, uh, and I think that there's giving up that as well, isn't there? So a lot going on in her head, which mm. is why she says to him, um, "I too like pound dealing, and I will be frank with you. I don't know if you can understand." or think that I must be indulging a distempered freak. But the truth is that my mind is all chaos. She got up jerkily and again pressed her hands to her cheeks, saying with an uncertain little laugh, I beg your pardon, I must sound detestably missish. I think I do understand. You have persuaded yourself into the belief that you prefer to live alone, and that, if the alternative was to live with your brother and sister-in-law, is perfectly understandable. You have grown so much accustomed to your single state that to change it seems to you unthinkable. But you are thinking of it. That's why your mind is all chaos. If you felt that to continue to live alone would be infinitely preferable to living with me, you would have refused to marry me without an instant's hesitation. Was your mind thrown into chaos when Beckenham proposed to you? Of course it wasn't. You regard him with indifference. But you don't regard me with indifference. I have taken you by surprise, and I am threatening to turn your beautifully ordered life upside down and you don't know whether you would like it or loathe it. Yes, she said gratefully, you do understand. It's true that I don't regard you with indifference, but it's such a big step to take, such an important step, that you must grant me a little time to think it over carefully before I answer you. Don't, don't press me to answer you now. Pray do not. No, I won't press you, he said, unexpectedly gentle. He took her hands and smiled into her eyes. Don't look so fussed and bewildered, you absurd child, and don't turn me into a bluebeard while I'm away. I have a damnably quick temper, I have no agreeable talents and have very little regard for the proprieties, but I am not an ogre, I assure you. His clasp on her hands tightened. He raised them to his lips, kissed them and released them, and went out of the room without another word. I really like how understanding he is in that. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking that as well. And, He's like, and I, yeah. How he predicts that she would turn him into an ogre, potentially. I think mm. that is a very real human reaction and he's anticipated it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really like how he he just completely gets it, and he thinks it's a a, a reasonable a reasonable concern. If you see what I mean, yeah. so I think it's like some um, when you get a little in, in other books, when you get um, a heroine that's a bit reluctant or has has issues, then almost it gets dismissed by the hero mm. as oh that that's just silly. But um, mm. I do like the fact that he's yeah understanding and 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 sees it as legitimate and it's fair that she should have a, some time to think about it. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that make this love story feel like a much more grown-up love story than many mm. of the others. And not just because of the ages of the people involved, but because of the 
level of self-awareness yeah. and consideration that they that they have yeah um but then oliver has to disappear for a while doesn't he to try and find somebody yeah. who best thing he could have done to lucilla <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um and then she gets ill. She gets mm. <laughs> she, bless her. So she, every, everyone in the house gets ill. She, they, she has a horrible time yeah. of it. Oh, you know what? I was when I was reading this, I was poorly, um, and I was swallowing cold and flu tablets like there was like there was no end. And uh, I was thinking, they don't have these pills. They've just got barley water and gruel. This mm. is how are they coping? This is appalling. Yeah, yeah. But they made it through. And they also like. Um, it's they seem to have it get it a lot worse. I don't know whether everyone that gets in, influenza in these mm. a lot of them end up in bed and having mm. you know being a bit being very feverish. But I guess it's because they couldn't yeah they couldn't bring the fever the fever down. I think as well what we need to bear in mind. I think you have a very sturdy constitution. Me, or you're just really tough. Yeah, yeah. I've never really seen you laid low by a by a cold or flu. No, no, that is true. Maybe touch wood. Anyway, so, but then enter Mr. Carlton to her sick room, basically forcing himself into the sick room. So should we... Well, Limbry let him. Limbry let him in, didn't he? Because the butler well, recognised in an instant that Oliver was a man violently in love. But But he did not take the he would not take the blame for actually letting him up into her room which it was he lay he would lay firmly at jerby's door he's one of those things when you're reading that are you like oh my god he's gone to her bedroom he's he's actually in her bedroom oh my goodness i know i know that's got to be unusual hasn't it yeah anyway so um so jerby asks miss winfred if it's okay for him to come in and she after a bit of flapping, says it's okay. So, when Mr. Carlton entered, he found Miss Witchwood seated on one end of the sofa, the train of her dressing gown lying in soft folds at her feet, and her glorious hair hidden under a lace cap. She had managed to regain a measure of composure and said, in a tolerably steady voice, How do you do? You must forgive me for receiving you like this. Jerby will have told you, I dare say, that I've been unwell, and I'm not yet permitted to leave my room. As she spoke, she tried to rise, but her knees shook so much that she, that she was obliged to clutch the arm of the sofa to save herself from falling. But even as she stuttered, Mr. Carlton, crossing the room in two strides, caught her up into his arms and held her close, breast to breast, and fiercely kissed her. Oh, gasped Miss Witchwood, making a feeble attempt to thrust him off. How dare you? Let me go at once. You'll tumble over if I did, he said, and kissed her again. No, no, you must not. Oh, what an abominable person you are. I wish I'd never met you, declared Miss Witchwood, abandoning the unequal struggle to free herself and subsiding limply into his powerful arms and shedding tears into his shoulder. At this point, Jerby, smiling dourly, withdrew, apparently feeling Mr Carlton was very well able to deal with Miss Witchwood without her assistance. (laughs) When I read that, I thought, oh, she's still in the room. Yeah, I know, I know. I do like the fact that you only only sort of realise afterwards that she's still there. So I do quite like that, um, you know, she's this independent woman, but she's a bit ill and, and she's she's just, she's had too much of everything and so she's just going to have a little cry. 
yeah I, I think so. sometimes when you're feeling really ill that's yeah you you know you know that you are reacting in a purely emotional rundown kind of way but you can't stop it from happening you're yeah. just gonna have to have yeah. a big emotional I, cry yeah I do quite like that's quite a good portrait of how you feel in those times yeah. where you're like no I'm like I've yeah. been strong enough I'm gonna I'm gonna have a little cry at this it's all it's been very emotional maybe her illness at this point can excuse the fact that she says um that if he did cheat oh, on her goodness yes um that it would she'd only have herself to blame because uh obviously she had bored him but i like the fact that he's the one that says no one's gonna <laughs> that's ridiculous no no one would agree with that that's ridiculous uh, and you don't have to worry about that so i think um yeah let's put it down to her being a bit uh, run down um that she says that but i i thought that as well I was like no, no, yeah. no. She still needs a, a little bit of further reassurance at that point because she says, um, Mr. Carlton, are you sure you want to marry me? And and that I'm not a mere passing fancy. What you're trying to ask me is whether I'm sure we should be happy, isn't it? Yes, I suppose that is what I mean, she sighed. Well, I can't answer you. How can I be sure that we will be happy when neither of us has had any experience of marriage? All I can tell you is that I'm perfectly sure I want to marry you, and equally sure that you are not a mere passing fancy of mine. What a damn silly question to ask me. If I'd ever been such a shuttlehead as to have asked one of my passing fancies to marry me, I shouldn't be a bachelor today. And there are two other things I am sure of. One is that I've never cared for any one of the charms with whom I've had agreeable connections, as I care for you. And another is that I've never in my life wanted anything more than I want to win you for my own, to love and to cherish and to guard. Oh, damn it, Annis. How can I make you believe that I love you with my whole heart and body and mind? He broke off and said sharply, What have I said to make you cry? Tell me. Nothing. I, I, I don't know why I began to cry. I think it must be because I'm so happy. And I've been feeling so dreadfully miserable, she replied, wiping her tears away and trying to smile. Mr. Carlton took her back into his arms. You're thoroughly knocked up, sweetheart. Damn that woman for having foisted her influenza onto you. Kiss me. I won't, said Miss Witchwood, between tears and laughter. It would be a most improper thing for me to do, and you have no right to fling orders at me as, a, as though I were one of your bits of muslin, and I won't submit to being ridden over roughshod. Hornet, said Mr Carton, and put an end to further recriminations by fastening his lips to hers. So that's oh, nice. That's lovely. And that's I think, lovely. you know, he says like he doesn't have a, he's not able to make elegant speeches. I think he can. Yeah, no, he definitely pulled out of the bag there, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I also like um how when he's talking about that he doesn't want her looking after Lucilla, because mm. he says, you know, if we want to go on a jaunt to Paris, yeah, I don't want you to say, no, we can't because of Lucilla. I want you to be able to say, no, because I don't want to. And I really like the way he phrased that as in not, yes, I'd love to go to Paris, but no, I don't want to do that. As in, mm. as in, she can say no to him. He's not going to bully her. Yeah. He wants to give her yeah. the freedom to say no to things. Yeah, I think it's it it's really set up as this equal partnership. Mm. And yeah, uh, yeah, it, 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 I think it it bodes well for the future, doesn't it? For their future. Yes. Yeah. I do. <laughs> it, interesting. At this point, he's basically snogging her in her bedroom, and her brother mm. arrives, who doesn't like him anyway. And I do think Oliver handles it very well at this point. But as soon as mm. Sir Geoffrey entering the room, Oliver wrong foots him. 
by telling him off for foisting Miss Barlow mm. onto Annis. Mm. Like, yeah, that's a good move. Which definitely puts him on the defensive because he can appreciate. He has something yeah. with his opinion. Because I think for a while it kind of looked like Miss Barlow might end up living with Sir Geoffrey and Amabel. Oh, I think that's um, definitely going to happen. What? But after that, she seemed to really wind Sir Geoffrey up. But yeah, actually, you're right, Amabel, she'll get her way. Should we talk about some of the secondary characters now then? Let's do that. Should we just start with Lucilla and Ninian? Get them out of the way. Yeah, I don't have all that much to say about them, to be honest. <laughs> no, they're nice enough. They're really nice. And I quite like the idea of maybe, you know, a spin-off book about Ninian. I'd, I'd quite like to find out, yeah. what, you know, what happens to him, who he gets married to. Because he's a bit of a stick in the mud, isn't he? So he just needs a bit of an adventure to kind of shake him, shake yeah. him loose. And I just, I get the feeling that this little adventure has made him into a bit more of a man, um, yeah. a bit more, yeah, willing to stand up to his father and his mother, who seems like a um, interesting person, his mother. Um, yeah. I do like that passage <laughs> with her when she comes to visit oh. Miss Witchwood. Oh, and she thinks that um, Miss Witchwood is like a, an older woman that's ensnared. Got, uh, got him uh, in her cl- claws, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, but um, Lady Witchwood yeah. suggests that they might end up marrying in a couple of years. Lucilla and Ninian, yeah. this is. What did you? What I don't, did you I don't think, think I like. I, I don't know because she does seem to be right about most things, <laughs> Lady Richard. <laughs> so, yeah. um, however gentle she is, she does seem to be actually mm. very wise. But oh, yeah. I don't. I I don't like that idea for either of them. So, um, no, I'm not sure about that at all. Yeah, there, there are moments yeah. where you see them kind of chatting and laughing on their horses, and they're getting on really well. And you think, okay, yeah. if there's more of that in their future. I think I see Lucilla with a, maybe just a slightly older person who would, man who would mm-hmm. um, maybe not take charge of her, but maybe could, I don't know, guide her a little bit. I don't know. And I think I think maybe she's too strong-willed for him. Mm. But uh, who knows? Okay. Um, Lord Beckenham one of Annas's suitors. Again, I can't remember the name of the guy who was in love with Venetia, but who had like this this mm. insane inability to listen to her rejections. Lord Beckenham seems Edward. to be of that ilk. Yeah. Edward. Edward. Yeah, Yardley? Yeah. Yes, Yardley. Yes, um, yes, well done. Teamwork. Um, yeah, Lord Beckenham, he's not quite as bad as Yardley, but he's got that... I always find it slightly sinister when men like to acquire treasures. Mm. And that's his well, thing, isn't it? And and Oliver definitely makes a reference to about uh, Annis being added to his collection. Like, make, yeah, d- does make yeah. some sort of reference to that, doesn't he? So, um, yeah, it's definitely a bit. Um, he's a bit. Yeah, he's 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 very boring as well, isn't he? Gotcha. A bit boring, a bit but- prosy, very similar to Edward Yardley, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. There was a bit where he was described as her, as being like a prime matrimonial catch on the Bath marriage market, um, and that he's only ever had feelings for Annis. And if you took away the horrible, boring nature of his character, that, that they're quite typical hero qualities, aren't they? In a Heyer book, you know, all, yeah. all the mamas are out to catch him. He, you know, he's not interested in any other women. He's just got eyes for this one 
one person. Yeah, but but we can't take away the boring, the the boring <laughs> part of him. So, and and also and also, I do I would question like I think it is questioned about whether he does actually really love her for her. Like oh, he, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't, he doesn't appreciate her. no he doesn't appreciate her humor he doesn't appreciate yeah. her independence yeah and I guess that's what sets Carlton against him that um, Carlton a- absolutely loves her for her would mm. loves her independence loves her mm. humor and um and, and I think uh, uh, that he, he it's just because she's beautiful yeah yeah. Um, speaking of prosy bores, Miss Farlow. Now, do we <laughs> feel do we feel actually a bit sorry for her? Because um so she is I mean, it would be very difficult to put up with her and to live with her. She's clearly uh, not a very intelligent woman. Um and interferes where she's not wanted all that kind of stuff but Mm. you know she's not a very intelligent woman and she's in a really difficult position and mostly she just wants to be loved and wants to do things for people and wants to be of use and so there is a part Mm. of me that I think Lady Lady Witchwood talks about it as well like she's in a really difficult position and I feel quite sorry for her and um and Annis isn't horrible to her but she is she is quite harsh with her and I understand why she is but I do yeah. feel a bit bad for her yes I, I, I do too and I, I think in some respects one of the issues is that Annis just isn't a good fit mm. for Miss Farlow whereas Lady Witchwood mm. she can engage with Miss Farlow on that level of sort of little domestic details and child rearing where like a sphere that both of them are quite happy to exist in but which just doesn't interest Annis so that's just not a good fit I think where I lost a lot of patience for Miss Farlow is where she was spying on Annis and reporting to Sir Geoffrey that's not okay and at that point I I I did sort of lose Lose most of my concern for what happened to her yeah yeah it wasn't a yeah, it wasn't a nice thing to do, but I guess, um, I guess if she felt um, responsible for her, she told Jeffrey and Lady Witchwood that she would look out for her in some way. She could justify, um, and also, um, she would have been. You know, most people would feel that a young woman by themselves um, needed looking after. So that wouldn't have been an uncommon um, view at that time that actually yeah. it is her brother. It would it is her brother's business about what she does. Um, now, obviously, we don't feel like that, but you can sort of see that uh, Maria, with with her upbringing, Maria Farlow would think that. I don't know. I'm justifying it, but I do. I do still. I do feel I sorry am. for her, and I do think she will end up living with. Um, Lady Witchwood, Lady Witchwood have a way. She'd have a wing of the house. Um, well, certainly her own sitting sitting room, I think. Yeah. The own sitting room, yeah. Um, I think Lady Witchwood will have her way there because she does seem to be, um, yeah, ultimately be able to gently gently persuade people to do things. 
Can we <laughs> move on to um, Lady Witchwood or Amabel, actually? Because I really I like her. she's a hidden gem. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning, she says that, don't, don't you think that gentlemen are always wiser? And you're like, oh, God, you're going to be an idiot. But then she understands mm. that Miss Farlow's jealousy comes from mm. insecurity. I think she and Jerby have this lovely conversation yeah. about... Um, Annis and Oliver, where they don't say anything about the fact that they both know that something's going on, but they kind of make it clear that they they know. And um, and yeah. then I I really like the conversation she has with um her husband at the end. Yeah, because I think in some ways you feel like she's she's she can seem like quite a weak character, but she isn't. She just oh. I think knows how to fight her battles. Yeah, and she's just, it's just that she has a gentle way of doing it and it's a very subtle way of doing it, but um, she's actually quite uh, wise in a way, so not necessarily book clever, but um, yeah, but, but worldly wise, both with both about Lucilla's situation and about Alice's situation, yeah. I think she's really observant when it comes to people and yeah. understands human nature. Mm. So, but even actually before... Um, there's the scene in the sick room where, where Annis and Oliver get together. She's um, talking to Sir Geoffrey and um, she says, well, she suggests to Sir Geoffrey that Annis is not indifferent to Oliver Carlton. And he says, you must be mistaken. Annis, of all people, to have a tundra for a fellow like Carlton? It isn't possible. Why, they call him the rudest man in London. I'm not surprised that he should be trying to attach her. He is notorious for his philandering. And I was very uneasy as soon as I discovered that Lucilla was his niece, for it seemed likely that he would come here. And Annette is a devilish good-looking woman. But that she should be in love with him? No, no, Amabel. You must be mistaken. Perhaps I am, dearest. But if I'm not, if she accepts an offer from him, we must learn to like him. Like him? echoed Sir Geoffrey in a stupefied voice. I can tell you this, Amabel. Nothing will ever prevail upon me to consent to such a marriage. But Geoffrey, she expostulated, your consent isn't needed. Annis isn't a minor. If she decides to marry Mr Carlton, she will do so, and you will be obliged to accept him with a good grace, unless you wish to become estranged from her, which I am very sure you don't. He looked to be somewhat disconcerted, but said, If she chooses to marry Carlton, she will have to bear the consequences, but I shall warn her most solemnly that they may be more disagreeable than she foresees. You will do what you think proper, dearest, but you must promise me that you won't mention this matter to her until she speaks of it. Recollect that it is all conjecture at present, and on no account must you say anything to distress her. But when you see her, you won't wish to. And then at the end, actually, mm. she gets the last word, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, I really like her little summary of um, Alice and Oliver's relationship. So mm. when sort of so Jeffrey's sort of railing against it a bit, so she she says, "I don't mean to set up my opinion against your judgment, for naturally you must know best." But has it occurred to you, dearest, that although we have heard a great deal about his mistresses and the shameless way he flaunts them abroad, and the money he squanders on them, we have never heard of his, him attaching himself particularly of any girl of quality. Indeed, I believe Annis is the only woman to whom he has offered marriage, though lures past counting has been thrown at him because even the highest sticklers think that his wealth is enough to make him acceptable. So don't you think, Geoffrey, 
that perhaps he never truly loved anyone until he met Annis, which makes me feel that they were destined for each other, for it has been the same with her. I don't mean, of course, exactly the same, but only think of the offers she's received and refused, such brilliant ones too. Never until she met Mr Carlton has she been in love. So I think that's really nice observation mm-hmm. and sort of yeah. sums up what's happened really well. Yes, no, I agree. And um, I think she sort of appeals, by talking about love, she's appealing to Sir Geoffrey's romantic streak, which mm. might not be at first apparent, but there is a scene earlier on, I think, where um, Annis is teasing Sir Geoffrey and saying, oh, of course, and if, if our parents mm. hadn't have liked Amabel, I'm sure yeah. you would have given her up straight away. And, you know, he had to acknowledge that, no, he, he would have ignored his parents to marry the woman that he loved. Mm. It's all very nice. Um, I do, I mean, they're not going to have family Christmases together, are they? You couldn't have Sir Geoffrey and Oliver in a room together. I, I don't know, because he, I think, I think he does, the, he does slightly warm to him in the end. I mean, it is because of... Their shared hatred of Miss Farlow. Yeah, which maybe we'll read out in a minute, but... Um, I don't. I don't know. I. I, I think that. Um, I don't think Sir Geoffrey is. He's a bit. He's a bit told off. He's a bit controlling of his sister when he, he shouldn't be. All of that mm. kind of stuff. But I, I don't. I, you know. I think. Um, they've got enough in common, maybe, and I think probably. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think. I think it could work out. <laughs> um, okay. I, th- I think they'd be civil to each other, or, or yeah, at least. Yeah, they could they could rub one. They could be civil to each other. I think. Yeah, they live in big houses. They don't have to spend much time together. It's fine. Um, my only concern is that um, Annis might have to spend quite a bit of time, like soothing, like smoothing down ruffled feathers. Like everywhere she goes with Oliver, is he going to be offending people? And then she has to be like, oh, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll be charming to make up for it. I, I would. Yeah, worry I can't quite imagine imagine that. But then it is said like he is accepted wherever he goes. He's not as if he's not invited yeah. to parties and not invited in there. But uh, yeah. yeah, if he's around I mean, people he respects yeah. and likes, I'm sure he's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you see in their in their future, Annis and Oliver? This is. I can see them getting on really well and and they live in london they travel together they go to parties um living a uh, living it up hedonistic lifestyle i don't see kids for some reason because she doesn't seem too bothered and i don't think he see, would seem too bothered right she knows i i am 100 percent aboard with you on that mm. yeah it feels like one of the rare couples where you think oh i'm not sure that's gonna add to your happiness necessarily i can see hmm see you just yeah really enjoying your at your adult life together yeah not conforming to society's expectations well neither of them do do they no, as, a, exactly. as a rule so mm. Mm, interesting so rach what should we read next shall we read the toll gate yes please um that's a bit of adventure. That's a plot. It's a bit of adventure. Did you say this is the one with caves in? I'm pretty sure there are caves, although I might be mixing things up. I'm going to spend the entire time I'm reading this book waiting for some caves to appear. <laughs> and if they're not in it, I'm going to be so disappointed. 
behave on not missing out <laughs> okay we will see you shortly um thank you for listening we really appreciate it um do leave us a review if you're feeling generous um and yeah get in touch on social media and say hi and uh i don't know share some thoughts on georgia hair we always like to hear that um and take care be good to yourselves people bye bye